All right, so let's make it plain. Welcome back to the Make It Plain Wayne podcast, where we will entertain, we will heal, and we will build you up. I am Wayne, and this is Elevated Friendship. (laughs) All right, everybody. So, man, I effed up again. And and you know you know what I mean. Um, here's the deal. I had uh, had a great conversation with a good friend of mine, and uh, I was just kind of telling her like what I've been going through and what's going on. And she had explained to me, you know, just basically in short, you know, you got to clean it up on the inside. A cluttered mind, a cluttered heart, and a cluttered life. And uh, you fast forward to a few days later. Um, you know, I, I, I had, I had marinated on her advice, uh, but I hadn't quite applied it, uh, real time, which is where all of my things are happening. You know, if, if I'm always late to work or always late in picking my daughter up from daycare, obviously I need to change something, uh, in my schedule or, you know, delete some things that are keeping me from the most important things. So, (laughs) something came back to slap me in the back of the head that I had agreed to, that I had paid money for. And it, in, in my downtime, in my down moment, I stumbled across the video um, where this guy was talking about uh, the mind of, of master procrastinators. So I'm like, (laughs) like, this is a good video, but like, it's, I'm not procrastinating. It's just that, I see everything as urgent. I see everything as has to be done right now. And when you prioritize everything to the same ability, the same effect, the same urgency, things are going to get left out and not arranged in the right time. So it got me to thinking, based on what my friend had told me, and based on what this guy was was saying as the, you know, mind of a master procrastinator. Um, were you trained to be that way? And am I training myself to be this way? Cause a lot of people will say, well, I didn't grow up like this, but over the years, once I got alone and all this, I went through something and this is what caused me to be like this. Or yeah, you know, my whole family, you know, I got, you know, two brothers, two sisters, and we were all raised to be kind, to be loving and all this and all that. And my first job out of college, I was abused mentally, physically, emotionally as a man by my boss that was a male or female. And it caused me to be a little um, aggressive, a little angry, a little nasty towards people. Um, and so I trained myself to always go for the jugular, you know, <laughs> to, to always be nasty and mean to people. So that way I could see what they were made of. And if they were made of something good, I could keep them around. But if, you know, they were made of something bad, we'd fight. I win. I'd knock them out. I'd knock them down. I'll kick them down the stairs, you know, and if I need to fight them, I'll fight them. But if they're of anything of value, maybe I hurt them in my approach. Maybe I hurt them in my delivery, but I'll try to heal those wounds over time and just bring them close to me. That's, you know, a training. It's how you 
adapt and assimilate to life, how you adapt and assimilate to losing, to winning, to being hungry, to being uh, uh, whatever it is that that you are. And um, I'll take it to a few examples. Like you have athletics. Um, I was recruited to run uh, the 400 hurdles in college. I love track and field. I absolutely did not want to run the 400 competitively. I only ran the four by four because (laughs) I only ran the four by four because it was a team thing. And like living in the Midwest, you, you know, a lot of times are a three sport athlete. You, you know, play football, you um, play basketball and you, you run track. Um, to deviate from that, you'd maybe play football, wrestle, and, you know, maybe, you know, run track. Or if, you know, the football is just not in it for you, if you are wholeheartedly a baseball or a soccer guy or a track guy, you go all that way. Or if you're wholeheartedly a wrestler, like, boy, especially here in like the East Coast, if you're a wrestler, then you just go that route. You're just a wrestler or just a hooper and you don't have any business on anybody's court or mat or, you know, whatever you choose one. But training for athletics exposes so many people. I mean, it really does. It, it can expose the family, family or lack of family values. It can expose the coach, whether they're coaching to the event or aren't equipped because they're coaching to something and and haven't quite grown yet in their coaching abilities, which we see in the NBA, which is, for me, the hardest coaching job because you're at the end of the rope. These personalities and minds are fully developed. Uh, NFL, NBA, um, track is a little bit different because you're you're slow. You don't win. Like, you can't win off of your, your other teammates' efforts. You're literally losing. It's like, Tennis and golf and track and field are are one and the same. Um, You build up a unique, polished presentation and you present it. And based on what you've worked on internally and externally, that presentation is ready or it's not. It's it's a yes or a no. Um, But athletics, it stands out so much. And as a 400 hurdler, I was already afraid to run the 400 and um some some uh, uh, states run the 300 hurdles, so I had like grunted through that and never really knew how to train for it. So getting into college and running the 400 hurdles, I'm like, wait, what? You want me to do what? I thought you were joking about running both hurdle races. And I hadn't calculated in my mind <laughs> that men run the 400 hurdles. But the examples of training really differentiate people. Um, for example, it is a known teaching and a known thought that I have seen in this part of the country in the Midwest that is, it's, it's not a Texas theory. It's not a down South theory. It's definitely, definitely not a California theory or Arizona theory. And it's so shocking to hear this where coaches will teach their athletes if you aren't throwing up at the end of a 400, you didn't give it your all. You, you you didn't run well and practice well. 
For me, what this means is I haven't taught you and trained you well enough to complete this race the right way with giving you the cardio to run this race, giving you the speed work to win this race, and the cardio tempo. Ooh, watch out. Giving you the cardio tempo to complete this race. Contrary to popular belief, not everyone has to go out and run a mile every day to run the 400 very well. And not everybody has to lift in excess of 500 pounds to have that amount of power. And then also, not everybody has to run, you know, 20 minutes of hills um, or 10 minutes of hills nonstop to be able to have that cardio uh, tempo speed. Um, you can take the time to develop each person uniquely while also having them run, say, you know, three, four hundreds that day. The difference in training is so unique and, and so different in, in how we, like I said, from the home perspective, the coaching perspective, and then what you choose to do on your own. So when you get to the football game, the basketball game, it's such a mixture of things where you have to get everybody's uh, approval and everybody's commitment that this football team this 2019-2020 uh, Chiefs team, uh, uh, Patriots 2018-2019 team, um, or any team is so leveled up, is so balanced, and so dedicated and focused to where all of the training, the whole mentality, all of it is all driving forward and all going the same direction. And everyone understands what we're asking of each other. When you don't understand what you're asking of each other and it's not plain and clear for every day, what you're doing, the output will show it. So on one side, this is one of the things I hate to see. On one side, you may have a former Super Bowl champion that can win this game. And then you look at the challenger that's winning and you're like, wait, what? Then you look across at the, the team that should be winning and they're arguing with each other on the sidelines. They weren't trained to do that. So why are they messing up? Well, a new challenge and a new opportunity exposed something that they had not trained for. One classic example is Chick-fil-A versus other restaurants. There's a group of guys that I follow that are absolutely hilarious they do the breakdown of, of Chick-fil-A versus Popeye's and in their in their breakdown, like in the video of they're being Chick-fil-A and, you know, the person says thank you at the drive through. And they say, you know, my pleasure. Would you like a hug? God bless you. Here's a high five. Hey, do you want a puppy? Here you go. And then they do the the other restaurants and the person, you know, thanks them for their order and they just throw the bag at them. And they're like, well, dang. And then they look inside the bag and they're like, well, this isn't even what I ordered. And the people working at the other fast food restaurant, you know, this is what you ordered. Get out of here. Get gone. Get. <laughs> and they're like, ah, get out of here. And it's what we are trained to do. Now, I'm not being disrespectful to any other fast food chain. 
but where Chick-fil-A has come in as a privately owned and I believe Mormon based company has completely changed the market of, of customer service. I mean, they're not even open on Sunday and that's the day when people eat. Good God. Like we should be cooking, which I like to cook now. Um, I'm pretty good. I use a lot of salt, but they've changed the game up. That's their training. They're training. Say what you want about them. Say what you want about the food. Say what you want about the flavor. Say what you want about uh, Mormons or privately owned companies or whatever. But it's their training. That's what they train to do and what they've trained comes out of them. So. You know, if you've ever, you know, been associated with a place that's, you know, like a customer service king or they do, you know, great work. Um, like, for example, like you go to Enterprise, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, you know, we'll pick you up. You know, those guys have great customer service. You know, if they've done something wrong, they're going to ask you, you know, at the end of the uh, at the end of the, the experience of the rental. And you might get a phone call, um, you know, so that you can do a um, you can do a. A survey and you can give a rating on, you know, satisfied, completely satisfied, not satisfied, you know, <laughs> or I'll ne- don't ever call me again. This is horrible. It was like a, a burning bag of poop in the back of my car. I'll never rent from you guys again. Something like that. You know, um, then you go to like a sandals resort. My wife and I, we went to a sandals resort after we got married. I had never been out of the country. I hadn't really been on vacations. I didn't know how. Um, in my in, in my eyes, being in college and running in track meets was a vacation because I got to travel for free until I saw some of the loans I had taken out. <laughs> but um, I get to the Sandals Resort and I see on the way there, their poverty. And I see in their poverty... Homes and shacks that have less material in their home than I have in my, you know, small bathroom. And so my first, you know, reaction was I'm like, babe, like they stole our money. We ain't going to no resort. I'm like, we we got had like they're going to kill us and eat us or, you know, steal our money and leave us on the beach or something. I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that these places where poverty is really high and have a beautiful landscape and background, this is the the major bulk of their wealth. Their industry is vacationing and traveling. I wasn't ready to see what we had to go through to get it, though, you know. So when I got to the resort and these uh, Caribbean folk are treating me Better than a king waiting on me hand and foot. I didn't know how to feel about myself because my job literally every day was to make sure that customer service was top, that customer service was key because that's the way I was trained. And then here these people are coming from a worse place in life, treating me better than I've ever been treated every day. My stomach was full. I worked out every day. I had coffee, cups and cups of coffee every day. I had alcohol. I had drinks. I danced. I played. I saw guys do capoeira. That's the Brazilian fight dance, if you don't know. 
um, which is like my favorite martial art. Um, I mean, people perform for us. I even saw people from the Midwest there, got to talk to them. And it because it was January, like people were out there uh, uh, like roasting, <laughs> cooking out there because they're like the sun is close, you know. But uh, it's even different in banks. What the banks and these major industries are trained to do is what comes out of them. If they don't know what to do when they're dealing with a certain uh, uh, customer or portfolio or uh, uh, a prospect, it's going to come out of them. And these banks that know what to do and know how to treat people are going to make it or You'll just see people constantly steal their business, you know. So there are customer service kings and or queens and royalty. And it might be in them from their family, their experiences or the way they, uh, you know, might have grown up. It might be in them, but. You can't make anybody do anything. That's that's the key. The training is there. If the habits are there, if the perspective is there, the mindset is there, you know, you're going to come out good. But I'm noticing what I'm seeing, you know, on a lot of social media is people are just lacking in a training. They're, they're, they haven't been trained and they're lacking in, in things that we really need. We really need. So l- let's go to the reality. Um, training is psychology in every way. It's psychology. You're not going to read or open any Bible or Quran or do any yoga poses or, uh, uh, manifest. You won't find any mutants or witches or Marvel comic superheroes, gods, goddesses. You won't find any of that, any trees, any heaven, hell, all of it, you won't find anything that doesn't have an identity that connects to your psychology. All of these things you can associate with something, and it's either good or bad. It's either strong or weak. It's it's yin or it's yang. It's dark or it's light. And And what you learn about that thing says a lot about you, or what you consistently associate with that thing says a lot about you. And that, that's why I, I even, um, if I don't have a podcast on it, I probably should make one because I thought I had one, which is explaining the truth about black, about blackness. Um, you're born out of darkness from the womb. We sleep for eight hours in darkness at night. We sit at night in darkness for, you know, hours on end um and the letters of every page of every email are black they're not evil but what you associate with those things may come from a lack of understanding that psychology a deer <laughs> that's hit while staring in the headlights would argue to differ that the light is actually evil <laughs> that blinding light is actually evil. 
And I'm pretty sure anybody that um, has ever traveled with NASA or um, uh, out of our Earth's orbit will tell you first and foremost, once you leave our atmosphere and get closer to the light and closer to the sun, if you aren't built (laughs) and ready to have rays of solar energy go through you, you won't last like people's bodies have literally changed as they're uh, uh, going through uh, 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 outer space. So how you associate and understand the light and the darkness says everything about you. So as far as I know, eight hours of sleep is heaven. And that is a time where my eyelids. And, and basically me as a person, I am in complete darkness, exactly like you were in the womb. Now, there might be some like red light. There's like the, you know, red light that passes through us, the red light that you see while in the womb from the blood and all of that. You know, it's a beautiful thing. But darkness is darkness. When your mom goes to sleep and turns off the lights, when you're in the womb, you're in darkness, too. <laughs> it's a double darkness, <laughs> double stuffed Oreo. But um, psychology is everything to training. It's everything to training. Muscle memory. Memory is psychology. So muscle memory, if in my mind, I'm going to do 100 push-ups a day. Well, in my mind, if I'm doing it, then it's muscle memory for my body. I can just get down and just start doing them, even if I'm tired and whooped. Then it's muscle memory because my mind wanted that and willed that to my muscles. So if it's in my actual memory, then yes, it can be in my muscle memory, whether I remembered if I did it on Tuesday or not. My mind remembers because in my mind, my muscles remember because in my mind, I chose to make that a memory. What is psychology, though? Let's break it down. It's your childhood. It's your environment. It's nature versus nurture. I've, I've, I've been trying to understand nature versus nurture for years. And when I finally understood it, I looked at people so different. How many times have you looked at people in a family of girls, of boys, or a mixture, and there's an outcast? There's a perfect kid. There's a balanced kid. There's a kid that's too nice, kid that's too nerdy. There's the kid that's too goofy, too, oh, man, I'm kind of worried about her. I'm kind of worried about him. You got to look out. That's a, a junior thug in the in the making. You know, how many times have you guys seen that where it's like no matter what community it is, the, the, the worst poverty or the most elite society or neighborhood? I'm sorry. You're like, man, like what got into him? What's wrong with them? Psychology is your childhood. It's your environment. It's nature versus nurture. And it's a collection of all of your experiences. And from all of those experiences, real time, you make choices. And because of all those experience and choices, because they are real time, that's what, in my in my opinion, what sets us apart as, as, as a country where a lot of <laughs> a lot of our issues are real time. So you would have to freeze time and go and like a plumber, 
go and fix all the leaks. And then, okay, now start it back over and have everything running properly because there's a lot of leaks in things and it's just leaking onto other stuff. And you got people panicking and, and yelling at each other because of other people's leaks. And this is environmental, political, situational, corporate, uh, 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 environmental, uh, generational, these leaks are leaking on people and causing floods or puddles or issues for people that didn't even ask for them. So what are your choices? You're like, if you're like me and you've you've hit it, you're like, man, I effed up again. Or I forgot my wedding anniversary. I forgot my wife's birthday. I forgot my daughter's birthday. I forgot my dad's birthday. I forgot my mom's birthday. Or I forgot that I was supposed to take my boss golfing on Tuesday or whatever. Or I forgot that, uh, um, you know, my best friend, uh, my best friend's engagement party because I was working um, in Japan. And now that I'm back, I thought I could get a little bit of rest, take a nap. (laughs) and didn't plan didn't plan so well and i mean they do this kind of stuff in movies they show them running through the airport and juggling and you know their luggage and hurtling the 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 luggage and you know oh kid get out of the way mommy that man hurt me you know you're just oh sorry you throw them like a, a bunny and throw some american express you know like a commercial you know they they do all this stupid stuff to show like what people do to resolve issues of panic. And when it keeps happening, it's like, man, I did it again. God, I banged my door on this stupid pole in the parking lot again. Now it's going to cost me like three or 400 bucks. What do you do? Well, we go to AA to learn how to put the alcohol down. What is it internally that we're doing to ourselves That causes us to think, well, I'm thirsty and I'm thinking this is a good idea because I know how it's going to make me feel during that time. But I I even have a friend. She's been sober for, I think she said, 11 years, 12 years. And when she goes on dates, people still are like, "But, but you can drink now, right? You can drink now, right? It's like, no, I broke away from the need for that. It's not a social drink for me. That's a problem. That's a peanut allergy. For you, you can eat a bag of peanuts, peanut M&Ms, peanut uh, truffle, peanut butter sandwiches. You can eat all that and it's good. To me, that's poison. And I actually have a friend, her son was at a restaurant. And she asked the woman, asked the waitress, hey, is there peanuts in anything? Because we got allergies. Like my son is severe peanut allergy. She asked her, oh, no, that's just caramel sitting right there. Well, you're looking at the boy and his throat is closing up. His face is getting red. He's trying to play with mommy and the family. And he's struggling to breathe. And the waitress is saying it's not my fault. So. Training because of training, because you're trained to look out for your children, to look out for your family. You know that 
internally, not everybody's set up the same way. So you say something. As a mother, you say something. But when this child is out there, they have to be trained and smart enough to say, hey, I know I'm at the peanut festival, but I got to leave. I'm sorry. I love you all. I love my friends. I love my future wife or whoever. I really like you. I really dig you. But I can't be here. Like, y'all will kill me. This peer pressure is bad for me. I remember when I was three, my mom told me I had an accident at the restaurant where the lady didn't tell her there was peanuts. So I'm sorry I can't be here with the peanut festival. I thought I could do it, but literally y'all will kill me in here. It's training. If you've been trained to a certain event or certain scenarios, you know how to speak up at a certain time or respond at a certain time where normally others might not have to or normally others won't. There's samurai books on this. Um, You go to rehab to eliminate the bridge toward the drug. You go to church to align with the divine savior. You go to Allah to find the path of peace and organize your mind, organize your thoughts, organize your body. We use yoga to align the mind and body and meditate and connect and root the same way the trees do, the same way the sun does to the earth and, and, and reach out like an antenna. Now, car antennas move. But not every antenna moves like, you know what I'm saying? Like those poles at Verizon and T-Mobile and AT&T put in the ground, they do not move. The cord stretches to where they want it to go. And then you have those unknown manifestations. You reach out and say something one day like, man, like I can't wait. So I'm making, you know, six figures. That's going to be so great. I am going to be so happy when I make six figures non-negotiable, and I am my own boss, and I run the show, and I'm having a good time and a good life, and this generation uh, uh, bleeds into the next generation, nothing but love and hope and finances and strength and stability, and it continues to go from here on out. And what was once just slaves and preachers is now geniuses and wealth. You know, you manifest those things. And then like when it happens, you're just like, oh, did I ask for that? Did I say that? Did I want that? Yes. And this is why I really wish people would just be nosy and study other people's uh, history. Not to be nosy and, and condemn them, but to just know it. One of the most beautiful stories, I think, for me is um, studying Irish history, um, where in, 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 in all truth, um, Irish history reflects a lot of black history, almost to, to a T. And then one day, <laughs> um, uh, they weren't outcast anymore. They were actually welcomed in. And you, you had a lot of Asian and a lot of black uh, uh, people here now, you know, demanding rights, which are numbers, which is politics. And in the Asian culture, um, they had been manifesting this thought, this idea for a long time. And, and that's, that's what I would kind of warn people on. Be careful what you put on people because all of that negative energy that you, you put on somebody might one day come back and shut you out. And I feel like this is what happened to the Irish people and how they came over 
how they migrated and and what they did ultimately as as people and now you um you look up and you see like an Irish flag Irish heritage it's like a cool thing but at one time they were shunned and looked at as we don't want all that power from Rome dominating what we're doing we don't like that they outnumber us we don't like that they have better beer and we got away from England and we got away from all that stuff we're not going back and they fight too much. They're troublemakers. They're problematic. They drink too much. They screw too much. They have too many kids and they want to spread all that old English and old stuff into us ill. Like they were treated so much like the black community is in many ways still being treated uh, uh, in some parts. So like for me, one of the Scariest movies in the world is The Manchurian Candidate. And in that movie, like uh, Lee Shriver, um, who was, uh, what was the movie? I think it was called Bosch, the show Bosch. And then uh, Denzel Washington were these Manchurian candidates and they had put these nodes in their brain that it caused them to, you know, be like this elite, perfect soldier that they could contra- uh, could could control. And they've done this in so many movies. Like you look in like uh, The Born Identity. Um, you look at The Born Ultimatum, Born Supremacy, uh, uh, Captain America, so- Perfect Soldier, um, Universal Soldier. You know, these these perfect soldiers that you can put on ice and resurrect. Then there was like the Winter Soldier. Um, there's the Black Widow. She was supposed to be like a perfect uh, super soldier. Um, there's like all these ideas of of mindsets because, boy, you get these soldiers, these perfectly athletic individuals that can carry out the agenda of a government. Look out. <laughs> so. The mind. You When you've got this perfectly adapt and perfectly functioning mind. The last thing you the last thing. The first thing we should be seeking out is a healthy mind. So how do you get a healthy mind? How do you change it all and stop effing up? Well, did we have a healthy childhood? Did we have a healthy environment? Was the nature versus nurture part of our life healthy? Did we get a healthy nature or were we burned up in a desert and fell down a, a bed of jagged rocks or f- froze almost froze to death and, and had, you know, frostbite in parts? Did we have healthy experiences growing up? Did we make healthy choices growing up? These are all things that you can go back and sit and think on and dig it up and be like, you know what? I didn't have a healthy childhood. But what would I have done in that childhood? I would have bought these toys. I would have bought this. I would have bought that. And go buy that for your children. Don't take it out on them that you had a bad childhood. Give them the childhood you wish that you had. And use some of the discipline that you have now. And you will combine and and create in them not just the childhood that you wanted, but also giving them the discipline that they need to, to survive and be strong in today's world. And I have a good friend. I had to tell him this. I was like, man, you're a good dad to your kids. 
You give them essentially what you did not have. And that's what we all should be doing. And I'm trying to do it right now. You know, it's like you you want your daughter to understand this is what a man is. A man provides. A man's going to tell you he loves you every day. A man is going to hold his wife and mother in front of you. A man loves and respects his mother. I am what a man is. I teach what a man is. And when that boy grows up and he sees all the things that his dad did, he knows this is a man. This is how a man hunts. This is how a man loves his child. This is how a man loves his wife. This is how a man treats people in the community. This is how a man responds to threats. This is how a man responds to other people's pain. This is how a man investigates and learns things for himself to not be a part of the crowd, but to actually be an individual. This is how a man contributes to society. So it's psychology. Psychology is the major proponent of training. It's it's the major uh, 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 benefit of training. You're retraining your mind. You're retraining your abilities. You're retraining your muscle memory through the mind. So you're like, what, what are you saying? I'm saying you're not doing it because you weren't trained to do it. If you're not succeeding, you haven't trained yourself to succeed. And you weren't trained to succeed. Because if you were trained to succeed, you untrained yourself to succeed. (laughs) And this isn't a Wayne, shut the F up. You don't know my situation. This is, yes, I don't know your situation. You do. So please go back and understand that if you had the training, please go and find out where you took the gear out of the, the, the watch that stopped you from telling time accurately. If you didn't do it, then someone else did it to you. Go and find out who took the gears out of your perfectly well-oiled machine and go put them back in there. Because the noise that your machine is making up and down the street, it's annoying people. It annoys you and bothers you. That's why you're doing the things that you're doing now that continue to damage the machine. So if you were given a perfectly well-oiled machine, what I'm saying to you is do the repair, do the work. You don't want somebody else doing it. Take the time to do it yourself. This is how you were trained, because the longer you go and function with those faulty parts, those nasty parts, the longer you will go get your oil change. Some of you can do it right now and just sit and think, man, like. These kids used to really treat me like. "Mm -hmm." And I remember these kids were just a-holes. And in my mind, in my heart, always manifested and asked for, man, I would just love to be around some people that just love me. I would just love to be around people that just cared about me, wanted to treat me good, do me good. Then when you get around them, all you do is bleed onto them all of the brokenness and damage. And they're saying, homie, Wayne. Like, you, come on, man. Like, we're good. Like, sit down and eat. Shut up. Like, what are you talking about? Kids pulling down your pants in front of, you know, eighth grade. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this isn't eighth grade. Look at your family. Look at your wife. Look at your neighbors. Look at your friends. We're good. 
you are choosing to bring old stuff. Like, why are you bringing up old stuff? Why are you bringing up old stuff? Have you ever heard people say that? Why are you bringing up old stuff? <laughs> like, you're choosing to drag a corpse, stinking, rotting corpse out of the street into the home and say, hey, y'all, did y'all see this? They ran over this rat. They ran over this squirrel. Y'all see this? It stinks. Yeah, yeah, Wayne, we see it. It's, it's nasty. Like, can you get that out of here? Yeah, but I, I just want to show y'all what they did. Or pfft, look at what these taxpaying dollars have done once again. They're running over the freedom and the freedom of our community. Look at what these taxpaying dollars have done again from this governor or mayor or president. Yeah, yeah, we get it. But like, that's not what we're doing today. Now, if it keeps happening, this is what I'm saying. If it keeps happening, then you can make the choice to say, hey, maybe let's put let's put a speed bump out there. Or, hey, let's let's maybe go put up some signs, get get the speed limit down. Nobody knows what the speed limit is. So in all truth, we're allowing them to do that. So if they keep ignoring us, then it's it's their time to do their work. It's their time to go do their oil change and fix it because we're yelling. We're trying to retrain ourselves into a new way, a, a better life. What are you saying, Wayne? You're not doing it because you weren't trained to do it. You haven't put the training in. There was a missing piece or a damaged piece that we got to go put in. You have not because you asked not. And then when you ask for it, you I mean, you better make sure, make sure you understand that you receive it. And I had to receive it. I asked for it. So now I got to receive it. You'll never know the opposing perspective because you don't actually care. You want someone to agree with you first, not realizing that everything was loaded into your perception from your childhood, from your environment, from nature versus nurture from your experiences and your choices. You'll never know. This is like the real trippy part. When you actually do the work and go and learn and understand the training, the psychology, the childhood, the environment, the nature versus nurture, the experiences and the choices of the person you last argued with, when you really go and take the time to understand that and learn it, and learn their history, it changes everything. So go internal, fact find, heal, break away from all of the things that continue a bad cycle. So I don't know, is that church? Is that therapy? Is that psychology? Is it AA? Is it rehab? You need to get up with some friends? You know, throw a magic potion in the air? I don't know. But as my friend told me um, a few days back, she said, what's a cluttered mind, a cluttered heart is a cluttered life. And it, we all know people like this. They are geniuses, billionaires. But you go in that one room and it's like, God, what is this, a swamp, nasty ass place? And then there are some people that are so neat and clean and all this, but they're like a super perfectionist. They can't even function without, oh, well, hold, hold on. 
I need you to close the door exactly this way and place the napkin and the plate and the you know etiquette. It needs to be set this way. I need the Microsoft Excel document to be this way. Um, when we cut the yard, it has to be cut this way. When we're cleaning and vacuuming, I need the lines to be exactly this way. Ah! So it's like almost the 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 hyper opposite of clutter is super OCD, where it's like you aren't even living and breathing. Nature and the universe itself aren't even this. So do the work, do the training, love yourself and love each other enough to understand that if you don't like being misunderstood, somebody else feels that exact same way. If you don't like being lied on and cheated on, someone else feels that same way. And ultimately, holding people down might be the thing that comes back on you and your next generation. Like, please understand, like, I'm very cognizant of what's going on in this country, what's going on in this world. And I don't think what people see happening is exactly what's coming. Power changes all the time. If the weather has not proved this to you, I don't know what to tell you. The country that we're looking at right now is not going to be the same in 100 years. The world as we know it is not going to be the same in the next 100 years. And what everybody is resting on comfortably as far as a lifestyle could change immensely, drastically. And it will. People just don't see it yet. All right, you all. I love you. I hope you love me back. Please like, love, share, and repost these messages. Um, get at me. I'm on Instagram at makeit.plainwayne. Um, you can message me and find me at any time and, and you know, share some of these messages with people if they've helped you and, and you think they'll help somebody else. Um, I got a few more topics that people have dropped on me. So I'm going to make, uh, make the best use of my time and bring those out too. So I love you all. Hope you love me back. I'll see you soon.